0: This morning, I want to bring you a message, I I feel, to bring you a message of encouragement. Is that okay? So I'm not going to preach hellfire and brimstone, but even in a message of encouragement, you have an opportunity and a choice whether you're going to take that and say, I'm going to align myself with that encouragement or not. So that's going to be the challenge this morning. But I'd like, I'd like if you've got a Bible, you, if you can turn to, um, just have your finger in, um, John chapter 2. Now we live in a world, don't we, where the unexpected happens all the time. I don't know what your life is like. Whether it's a life that unexpected things are happening all the time, or whether it's Groundhog Day every day. Um, there's something nice about Groundhog Day every day for a while, isn't there? You know, don't rock the boat, everything's fine. And yet, I don't think that's the way the world really works. I think we're, we live in a, a delusion if we think that's the way the world is. I've got friends who, who, they're not Christians, but they just believe everything should just fit their lives perfectly. It should be easy, should be normal. But there would be no news, the papers would not sell, Twitter would be boring and the news channels would be redundant if we knew what was going to happen all the time. That's right, isn't it? Trump. Kim Jong-un. Boris. The B word. I won't, I won't use the B word, okay? The BR word. All of these things. Most unexpected events and events. Leadership in the world which we 10 years ago. We would have even thought what how can this be? Unexpected things and it might seem like things are out of control in the world And it might seem even in your life at times things are out of control Well this morning the message that I want to bring to you Is one that really shows that actually things are never out of control They might seem out of control, but there is one who is always In control and he wants us to respond to him for me unexpected things in my life it's been a mixture of good and bad i was just thinking about this the other day what are the good things in my life that have been expected well i remember when i was 14 or 15 i joined a snooker club and um i didn't tell my dad because i thought he'd, he'd do his nut but i joined this snooker club and i went off with my friends eventually actually when my dad found out he used to come and play snooker with me in this spooky, seedy club um so that was great he just joined me instead of scolding me but I, I got entered into a prize draw and i won a holiday a family holiday to malta didn't even do anything i sold it back and i went on a different holiday but you know i, I got 250 quid from a prize draw that was a pretty good day. that was unexpected and it was good I've got many of the great unexpected things. I've also had the really tough stuff um, in, of life as well. I mean, one of the hardest things that I could ever imagine was losing somebody who was close to me um, through an act of violence. And my, my sister was, was murdered in 1988. Uh, just a sudden thing. And sometime, maybe another time, if I was ever down, I'd come and talk to you about that whole thing and what God did through that. But unexpected, horrific, darkest nights of my soul and my family's soul. There's the unexpected, which is great, and it's the the unexpected, which is painful, and that we don't expect. I wonder how it is for you. Because life ain't Disney, is it? Maybe it is, I don't know. Life ain't Disney, it's not all, you know, when you wish upon a star. It doesn't work like that. Lord, I just wish for these things. God doesn't work like that. Gimme, gimme. It doesn't work like that. And this, what we're going to read this morning, is a tale of the unexpected, really. A man called John tells a story. I'm going to find the scripture for you. I think we've got it up there, haven't we? A man called John tells this story. And John was a young fisherman who lived 2,000 years ago. But he gathered, he, he, he was there when this happened, and also he got other accounts as well. And he talked it through with those who were there. And he had this amazing friend. And years after this friend had gone, he he wrote this story down. And he wrote other stories as well. And he decided to put down his version of events about a man called Jesus. And you know, John's concern in writing these events, his concern was not just to create another factual account. Of the things that this man Jesus did but his concern was was that he would actually show that what he did what he said and who he was they're they're all interwoven but the things that Jesus did the things he said they portray his character and the character of God and further on in the book John writes this man Jesus had a habit of doing miracles incredible miracles in fact he says there's so many that there's no way that one book could record them a whole load of books John writes could not record all of the amazing things that this man Jesus said and did most incredible person I believe in history and this is one of those stories so shall we read it together this is one of those happenings it's John 2 I'll read it from up there the next day there was a wedding celebration in a village of Cana in Galilee and Jesus's mother was there and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, They've no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you to do standing nearby were six stone water jars used for jewish ceremonial washing each could hold 20 to 30 gallons that's pretty big isn't it i i, I can't quite picture that 20 to 30 gallons a jar six of them that must be quite a quite a place quite a house quite a meeting place when the jars had been filled he said now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies and so the servants followed his instructions When the Master of Ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. The host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you kept the best until now. And this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. If Carlsberg did miracles, actually this wouldn't be one of them, because Carlsberg did do beer, not wine. But if Carlsberg did miracles, this would be right up with it. Who loves a wedding? Anybody love a wedding? Anybody love a wedding? My mum prefers a good funeral to a wedding. Honestly, at my own wedding, she was stood in the line with me and my wife. Going back 17 years now, and as people came past, she said to, to a key member of our church, as they're walking past, she says, hmm, I prefer a good funeral to a wedding. That's her, her own son's <laughs> wedding. I know. It's terrible, isn't it? A wedding, you know, in the next village to where Jesus had grown up and lived amongst almost all of his life, there was this wedding. And you could actually see this village of Cana, where Jesus was, from his hometown, Nazareth. You could see it. It wasn't far away, if you're at the right angle. And um, this wedding was on the third day of the week. And why did Jews get married on the third day? It's because in the creation account of the world, the third day was the day when God said twice that it was good. Did you know that? That's one of the reasons that's one of the reasons apparently i've checked it out in two sources um, by the way i don't just just automatically know this stuff i do actually read about this stuff it's not like i just download it from heaven um so that so on the third day twice god said it's good and so good good man wife that's why they do it apparently and jesus's mom mary was there and jesus and his close followers five of them In all, we reckon we're invited. And it kind of suggests that Mary and Jesus knew this family really well. I don't know. I mean, my wife and I get invitations to to weddings, but I don't get invited to bring me mates very often to a wedding. I don't know if you've ever had that. Plus one, or plus six. Bring six. (laughs) So they they were part of, they were really integral in the lives of these people. I think Mary probably was quite important in this couple's life or in the family's life. And when you see the centrality of Mary in the story, it may be that she even has something to do with the arrangements. We don't know, okay? But Jewish weddings back then, guess how long they lasted? Anybody? Three to seven days. Imagine being at a wedding for three to seven days. Fancy that. I grew up on a multicultural street, we had, we had um, Bangladeshis, Indians, Pakistanis, we had Hindus, Muslims, Sikhs, Seventh-day Adventists, all along our road where I grew up in the West Midlands. And uh, when, when some of them, especially, especially the Sikhs, when they had weddings, my word, they went on. And i tell you what, the biryani and the samosas, they flowed for days. We'd just come out in the street, it was great. Loved it. Well actually I didn't love it because they didn't like curry back then, but my mum and dad really loved it. And and it just went on and on. But imagine that, three to seven days, you're talking about one whole week possibly of partying. Come on! So they knew how to celebrate love. They really knew how to do it. And this was before portable discos and and, and photo booths and, and all of that and gyms and the internet. This was a huge this was the community thing in a village, a huge thing. So you go to the wedding meal first, then there would be a ceremony, and that evening the whole community would come together onto the street and the couple would have to take the most circuitous route, the longest route from, from where they start out. Um, In fact, I think the husband would go and call on on his future wife in the the wife's home and then would walk the longest route in the village to the place where they were going to celebrate and everybody would just follow behind. I kind of like that. That's that's cool, doesn't it? And then they would have their first night together. And then the couple would not just go off on a honeymoon But then the next day they would meet with the whole community again for breakfast. Have you ever been to a wedding like that? I've been to one in France where they had the wedding, everything, and then we all came together for breakfast the next morning. And he's like, aye, (laughs) aye. So, yeah, you know, all of that look. Um, These days it's not quite the same, is it? It's a shame, But, but anyway, imagine that. And then imagine then going into more festivities, more eating, more celebration, more wine. Just imagine, eat, drink, sleep, get up. Eat, drink, sleep, get up. Eat, oh, I don't know. You like that, don't you? Jesus was at this event. Jesus, Jesus was at this wedding. I don't think he was dragged kicking and screaming. In fact, he would be the one saying, I'm going to this wedding guys you're invited to come on let's go to this party is that the picture that you have of jesus is that a picture you have of god somebody who loves weddings who loves a celebration this was jesus a word here if you're a christian or you're looking at the lives of christians right now and you're thinking boring then maybe don't look at them have a look at jesus instead because we're not made to live a beige, joyless life. Anyway, this was the wedding. That was what the wedding was like in a Jewish village. But then we get onto something really important in the, in the wedding, and that is this, the wine. Wine symbolizes so much. And can I just say right now, look, it might be that someone in here struggles, struggles with an alcohol thing that you've, you've kicked up a long time ago. So please don't take this literally today but we're going to be talking about wine and what it represents what it represented then or what it represents today in our lives so what do we know about wine at wedding well even from the reading we found out first the quality of the wine symbolizes the quality of the love between the husband and the wife did you know that so those who were organizing the wedding they would want to to bring out the very best wine to find the very best wine in the region and say we're gonna start with that and then if the wine was really good it was kind of a symbol it's a bit superstitious really a bit of an omen is this marriage going to be a really good marriage or not if the wine is good, then we're, hey, they're going to go the whole distance with their lives. They're going to be fruitful. They're children. They will have children. They will grow up to love them and care for them. They will prosper in all their ways because the wine is good. Or the wine would represent that. So that's the first thing. The quality of the wine was really important. There was no Echo Falls or Blossom Hill being presented right at the beginning of a Jewish wedding. Okay, so if you don't know wine, then there you go. But secondly, the amount was important. The amount was really important. As we've seen in this story, haven't we? The abundance of the wine was a statement of the longevity of the couple's love. Not just the quality, but how long it was going to go. Lots of wine, they're set for life. And here we have the problem. Because John is writing that the wine ran out. where did the wine go Mary somehow discovers this the house is dry and they're not very far into the seven days of celebrating no more wine on one level on one level there's the complete social embarrassment of the host family of the groom's family imagine that you're putting on a, a wedding everybody's coming they're taking time off work from the fields and the wine's gone. Now I don't know. Maybe the maybe the groom had a few friends who had been knocking it back really hard. Maybe there was a rival wedding in the next village and they've come and stolen. I don't know, we don't know what happened. But all we know is this poor family are there and they are embarrassed. So embarrassed. Because the wine's run out. What are we gonna do? How does that look for the couple, the happy couple? You know, what's the groom saying to to mum and dad? How could you do this to us? You can imagine. Well, it's your fault. It's your fault. No, it's your fault. You didn't order enough. Well, no, I had it there. Where's it gone? The wine has run out. No wine, no party. Marriage, not good. But there's something more happening here. Because John is unpacking something. Which I think, for many of us, is the cry of our hearts as humans. It's a cry of our hearts. The truth is this. No matter how long the party is. No matter how good it is. No no matter who's all there. We all feel at some some point the wine is running out. However good our lives may seem. However well we may, may seem to be doing um, in relationships, in work, in maybe even in Christian ministry, family life. If we're relying upon the resource that we've stockpiled or the things that we can create or, or catch to make our lives better, at some stage the wine runs out and we're finding that out in this society. And who knows, if certain political things happen, we might find the things that we thought were always going to be there are running out. We don't know. I'm not not scaremongering, okay? But we just don't know. The things which we thought would deliver the most in life and give us us the most success and longevity and, and, and the good feelings, they are so fickle, so brittle, and can just disappear. This is the question this morning I want to ask where did the wine go maybe you're thinking that this morning or you know somebody who the wine in their lives has run out where did the wine go it was so good thinking about the old duet between Elaine Page and Barbara Dixon wasn't it good wasn't it fine a relationship maybe where did the wine go It was great it was bubbly it was flavoursome it was it was a full bodied wine and now it's just gone the job the family the money and so we can ask that question we can stay there and say well where did the wine go and i think a lot of people in our society are going to start asking that and it might be that we are the ones that can actually Then point them to this next question. Not just where did the wine go, but what do you do when the wine runs out? Sorry Ricky, I got you on a bad day there. But um, anyway, there we go. What do you do when the wine, wine, wine runs out? You can't have a wedding without joy, without love Without the wine, without celebration. What do we do in life when things the thing that which is our wine has run out? If you haven't already, let me tell you you will have times and experiences which seem grateful, abundant, rich in friendships, fun purpose, whatever it is that grabs you and fulfills you, and when time and then there'll be times when it's not like that anymore. Does anybody want to know what you do when the wine runs out? Okay, all right. I could regale you this morning with stories in my own life about when I've known things are not working right, things are running low. The things that I thought had delivered, would deliver the most in my life have disappointed me and let me down. That's, that's a horrible place to be, isn't it? I mean, a wedding, your son's wedding, your daughter's wedding, should be the most joyful day. And yet it can be the, for them, it was the, it was the day that was ending in disaster. I was yesterday with a friend of mine Oh, God bless her Her and another friend who were sat and it's just so clear that the wine's run out and she's seeking to patch it up with this and that and the other off work with stress, in fact handed a noticing. looking for what's the next thing that's going to fulfil me how do I build my life from here the wines were now where did the wine go in my career in my bank balance I once worked in a bank bank you know I had one day in a bank got sacked because the guy the bank the bank manager said can you just go and check that old lady's balance so I pushed her over and uh, yeah. anyway, sorry it's a really bad joke isn't it got the sack I didn't really that's a joke okay where, where, where did the wine go in my with my health Mary's statement and request of Jesus may well be at some point an echo of each one of us where did the wine go and how can I fix it let's go back to the story imagine if the servants would have just filled up jars with water and poured it into the cups of the guests and hoped they wouldn't notice What would have happened then that would have been even worse wouldn't it yeah yeah, yeah. it's a "Right, yeah you've got a choice in that moment either we say guys sorry the wedding's off or you've got to come up with some new wine and mary came to jesus with this news and she was saying this is the way it is son it's not looking great and perhaps you think your world your life is just getting better and better are you one of those people i've got a neighbor rob I sometimes go gigging with him. And his view of life is, do you know what? I just think the world's getting better and better, all the time. I'm like, what planet are you on, man? He says, planet Lancaster, yeah. <laughs> Believe you me, not everybody in Lancaster believes that. But maybe that's you, you're just the eternal, you know, Positive, um, what's the word? Uh, optimist, and you're just saying it's just going to get better and better. Frank Spencer is saying, isn't it? Every day, in every way, I'm getting better and better than the day before. <laughs> Weird, but where does the wine go? Because that's not the truth. But the moment Mary came to Jesus was the moment that the miracle could begin. We'll say that again. The moment Mary came to Jesus, was the moment that the miracle could begin. So she comes to Jesus and she says, Son, what are you going to do about it? And what was Jesus' response? It was like, woman, my time's not come, don't ask me. Don't. I love the fact that Jesus just doesn't all of a sudden glow gold and say, don't worry. I've got it all under control. No, but it's Mary. Mary says to the servants, "Right, listen to him. Do whatever he asks." I love the fact that Mary, in some ways, seems to force her son's hand. And Jesus, being an obedient son, he said he just does exactly what mum says. I love that. I love the fact that God in flesh does what. His mum says. It's incredible, isn't it? Get your head around that. I still can't get my head around that. What do we do when the wine runs out? Well, she says, do whatever he tells you to do. Mary was desperate. Mary was insistent. Mary looks at Jesus, looks at the situation. She says, I know that you can sort this out. I know, I have faith that you are the one who can sort out the shame and the disgrace of this family. I know that you are at this wedding for a purpose. And we know the rest of the story. We read it. Jesus does an amazing thing. We go from wine, running out, to wow. So they do it. Jesus says, go and get those six jars, cleansing jars. They weren't even jars for wine. They were just pots with water in where, where people would then wash their feet. The servants would wash their feet from the dusty roads so that they would smell nice. And they weren't, they weren't wine jars, but these huge big jars. Jesus says, go and fill them with water. And then he says, now dip in and get some out in a cup. Take it to the master of ceremonies. Now the master of ceremonies at the wedding, he was the toastmaster. This was the wine geek. This is the person who knows all about the bouquet and the, you know, what you're supposed to get when you taste it. I'm getting scotch eggs and, and, and moldy bread and, you know, and, and bram- blueberries and strawberries and things. I don't know what, yeah. So this was like the, the, wine, the, the wine geek. The wine master, and of course the winemaster, he would know the difference between the first wine, which is the good stuff, and the cheap plonk that was brought out at the end when everybody was a little bit, mm, couldn't taste it so much. But he takes it, and this is my paraphrase, the winemaster says, Wow, most weddings I go to, the good stuff is wheeled out first, so the guests can enjoy the taste while their palates and senses are dull. And then they bring the cheap long count after. But wow, you guys who put this wedding on, you've gone and saved the best till last. You've gone and kept the, the reserver, the best, the Grand reserver, the, the, the top quality wine to the very end. And they drank the wine, they all lived happily ever after and this is what I'm coming to as we finish what do you do when the wine runs out what are you going to do when the wine runs out why did Jesus do this miracle and the others that John wrote about because John states there were too many things to write about. So why did he put this one in? In this instance we see Jesus having been obedient to his mum. He spared the blushes and shame of this family. But he was making a statement for us today. And making a statement for the world, for anybody who would believe in him. For anybody that would hear his message about the kingdom that was to come and the message is this whatever you've got going on whether you're doing well or you're not doing well whether you think you've got plenty or you're desperate a time is coming when you'll be found wanting when you'll find that your reserves are not what you thought they were and what are you going to do when the wine runs out And Jesus' statement here Is really what John writes is this. He writes at the end of the book, he said, I wrote these things that we might believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Have I got it there? And that by believing you may have life. You may have life in his name. That by believing that you might have life in his name. The offer that Jesus makes to you, and the offer that Jesus makes through us as his church is life is overflow is abundance is that it's not that he's going to patch up your life so you'll make do but he promises that as we put our faith in him as we do as he instructs and we give him our lives he says I will cause you to have the best what you've had before in your life before the point of encountering Jesus and trusting him is not a patch on what he has got going forward that's the message of the kingdom and it's not that we have everything now it's not that, that it's going to be just your wish list is going to be wiped you know it's going to be dealt with and that all of your flaws and things will be wiped clean no that's not what jesus offers but he just say this if you come to me with your need if you come to me with your deficit And you humbly say, there is nothing left. I can't make it. That's when the miracle can start to happen. And I think all of us in life, in different areas, we have areas that we, I I have these areas. where I think I'm doing great, but actually when I really let God search my heart, and I'm honest with him, I go, I'm a bit in deficit in this area, Lord. We've sung songs this morning, how we we can have faith in him and trust him, he's our rock, he's our anchor. And this morning, if wine is running out somewhere in your life, this is the day, this is the time to say, Lord, I admit this is the situation. Will you come in, will you do something in the deficit of my life? The first thing Jesus does in this book of John is turn water into wine. The last thing he does in John's book is that he makes breakfast for his disciples on the beach. Isn't that lovely? I love the fact that John paints this picture of Jesus as a wine-giving, wine-loving, breakfast-cooking God. I love it, don't you? With Jesus, there is always more. There's always more. And for us just to say, well that's it, I've I've made a, I've said a prayer, and I believe now I'm a Christian. Um, That is to miss the point. He invites us in so that we might have life and have it to the full. This wedding was on the third day. He took hold of this catastrophe of wedding on the third day. On the third day of the week. On the third day of the week, just two or three years later. This same Jesus who attended the wedding, who been, had been tortured and murdered on a Roman cross, he took the catastrophe of humanity and the self-sufficiency of man and he took all of that upon himself and he reversed the poverty and the lack that we had created by rejecting our creator. He took all that on him and he says on the third day as he rises he says i'm offering you new life i'm offering you more and this is god's story this is a little snippet of the story of jesus but this this is the story of god in history this is the story of god for you in your life right now is that jesus is there he offers you more he offers me more let's just pray shall we let's just bow our heads for a moment i want to encourage you this morning really want to encourage you to look into Jesus look into the words he said look into John's gospel look into the miracles the wedding was a real wedding this was real wine he did the unexpected he gave them more than they could have hoped for and today the good news is that in Jesus you're offered more than you and I deserve and more than we could ever hope for is your wine running dry come to Jesus this morning and I just want to put two things out there maybe you're in a bracket of people you're saying I want this today my life is really a mess my life has not gone the way that I wanted it to go it's not gone the way my parents planned for it maybe this morning perhaps you feel a failure or you've had failure in your life like this couple maybe even a failure to provide just quietly invite Jesus, if that's you, to take the mess of your life, take the pots of your life, if you like, to wash them out and to fill them again. And you may think, well, this is, this is my life. How, how can it be more than what I think? God takes cleansing pots, wash pots, and he makes them into vessels that hold the best wine. He takes the broken, he takes the shards, he puts them together, he smelts it, as we heard before, and he brings forth such a wonderful weapon, such a wonderful tool, something glorious. You were designed to be something glorious, do you know that? And those around you, if we just respond to Jesus and say, Lord, take take my life, just take it, take the bits of it, take the wreckage I can't deal with it I'm in deficit Lord would you take it would you fill it he would do that this morning but also maybe you've tasted how God good is but for some reason you've settled for cheap plonk you've settled settled for the water again might be even just in an area of your life that you're settling for less and you're rejecting actually God's best because it will it will mean that you have to admit some things it means you might have to face up and say, God, I've not done well in this area. Perhaps you're har- harboring a hurt or anger or living in unforgiveness towards somebody else. That's not God's desire for you. That's a blockage to the best. This morning, the Lord says, I believe, humble yourself this morning. Turn back and say, my wine's not good in this area, Lord. It's run out. And maybe like Mary this morning, when need to say, just just show me what to do. Like she said to the servants, just do what he says. Maybe this morning we just say, Lord, whatever it is you say, I'll do it. In order to really have that fullness of life that you've got for me. Lord, I just pray this morning as we respond to those two things. Father, you said that believing in you, we would have a life, life to the full. And Father, I pray this morning whether it's for the first time that we really want to allow you to come and, and fill our lives with, with your goodness, with your purpose. You want to transform us, Lord. Lord, I pray for those here this morning who have never, ever allowed you in. Lord, I thank you that you can transform this morning. You're going to transform lives. Lord, and I, I pray for us, Lord, as, as, as your people as well. Father, I pray that the good wine will flow. Lord God, that we would allow, Lord, as we're obedient to you, we would allow, Lord, you to fill the, where, 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 where we're weak, where we're hopeless, where we have deficit, Lord God. Lord, that in and through us as well, Lord God, there would be an overflow. I just want to speak an overflow as well. There'll be an overflow as we respond to Jesus and give him all of that. Say, come on in. There, he promised an overflow. Out of this it would be not just living word but it would be living waters it would be an overflow of refreshing of life to others around who are living in the poverty of their own lack Ah oh, Jesus come I pray come I pray I'm just gonna sing a song as we as we come towards the close maybe just use this as a response Lord, let's get the wine flowing in our lives, we pray, in the name of Jesus.